to week four of the Slow Beginnings Retreat. Very happy to have you back again for another week together. And this week we're going to dive into a really powerful inner tool. In the last couple of weeks, I feel like we've, we've done a bit of sort of external um, strategizing and, and looking at things that we could do that affect us externally and how we're living, uh, how we're spending our time and energy externally. This week is very closely linked to last week's work on tilting and rhythms, um, but we shift our focus from external, from practical to, to internal and um, really spending some time with ourselves this week. Now, I made a statement last week during the video that signifies to me why this week's topic is so important. And during the video, I said, and I meant, that you are enough, no matter what, regardless of what you do or don't get done in your day, you are enough. And the fact that when I said that, when at the first time I recorded those words, I got a lump in my throat, shows me that this is a topic, this week's topic is something that we really need to spend some time working on because we are brought up probably not having developed these tools um, particularly well, I think the majority of us. So last week when I said that, when I said that you are enough no matter what, perhaps you came across a, a little voice in your head and perhaps that little voice was telling you that that wasn't true, that you aren't good enough, that you are lacking in some capacity, that wanting to focus on self-care is selfish. And this week we're going to face that voice head on, unapologetically, and we're going to shift our focus away from those external practical strategies that we've spent the last couple of weeks looking at and instead focus on some internal self-compassionate strategies. Now, I think the reason that this has become such an important part of the conversation around slow living for me is that so much of our desire to keep up, to prove ourselves, to uh, you know say yes to everything, to be busy, to strive for success – is tied with our desire to prove our worth, to prove our value, to prove that we deserve, you know, to be here, and um, you know, to dem demonstrate that as a human, we deserve to be here, uh, and it's all fueled by this this belief that on some level we are not enough. So so much of the striving and the racing and the cramming and the busyness that fast living entails is based on this belief that we are not enough. So. Uh, in fact, that's actually where my journey began in that belief that I was not enough. I was living a life that was so, so focused on proving to other people that I was successful, that I was doing well, that I wasn't just coping, I was thriving. You know, I was running my own business, uh, uh, which was a full-time kind of endeavor. I was parenting full-time. Ben was in the city working really long hours and we were renovating and we were, you know, accruing all the stuff that a successful family should have you know I wanted desperately to show people that I had everything together and that I was doing well and it was all driven by a um, by a, a very deeply held belief that on so many levels I wasn't enough so when uh, our second baby was born and uh, it was a few weeks after he was born I found myself looking in the mirror just staring at my reflection saying out loud over and over again I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. And that, interestingly enough, was when 
another voice in my head popped up and said, you know, maybe this isn't the only way to go about life. Maybe there's, there's something that we need to deal with here. And that's what led me to um, tell Ben that I wasn't coping. That's what led us to the, my doctor. That's what led me to spending many months seeing a psychiatrist and many years on medication. And it was all because there was this voice that was berating me for daring to, you know, to exist, that, that voice of complete self-loathing. And, um, you know, perhaps that's why it's so important to me that self-compassion becomes a part of the conversation around slow living, because I think that on varying levels and to varying degrees, we all carry that, that, um, that fear that we are not enough around with us. And it drives us to make choices and to take actions that aren't necessarily aligned with, um, you know, with our values, but more so aligned with trying to prove to other people that we have worth. I know the oxygen mask analogy is bandied about a lot, but I think there is good reason for it. So if you haven't heard the oxygen mask analogy, essentially when we get on a plane, um, when we listen to the safety announcement, we're told that in the case of an emergency, the air masks, the oxygen masks will drop down from the roof. And we, the first thing that we need to do, the crucial first step that we need to take is to put the oxygen mask on ourselves, then turning around to see who else we can help. Now, it's funny, I used to feel like that was such a self-centered piece of, um, you know, of procedure. Like, of course, I would help my child or I'd help my husband or I'd help someone next to me before I help myself. But the analogy um, around self-care and, you know, looking after ourselves is that if we don't put the oxygen mask on ourselves first, we will never be in a position to help anyone else because we will be passed out. Because, you know, we will be completely overtaken by whatever else is happening and be unable to help. And it was a, you know, probably a very big cliche, but it was a big aha moment for me when I first realized what that analogy was getting at. Was that, in fact, we cannot show up fully for anybody else in our lives, no matter how much we love them. We cannot show up fully for any value in our life, no matter how important it is, if we are running on empty if we are completely overcome with self-loathing or that belief that we don't belong. It's like Brene Brown says in The Gifts of Imperfection, we can only love others as much as we love ourselves. Now, the first time I read that quote, I, I think I, like, I gasped out loud. It hit me straight in the solar plexus. Because I know there are times in my life that I find it very difficult to find love for myself. And I worried immediately that that meant that I couldn't, I had no capacity to love my family. Now, I don't actually think that it means that my love is not valid when, even when I don't have any love for myself. But I do think that the pain of low self-esteem, the pain of, you know, of, of having low self-worth stops me from showing up for them fully. And I've used that realization, I've used that gut punch feeling to gradually shift the way that I look at um, myself and that I speak to myself and to grow a practice of self-compassion. So that's really what today's lesson is all about, diving into self-compassion. Which brings the question, what is self-compassion? Now, if we think about having compassion for others, self-compassion is the self-centered version of that, which is pretty basic understanding of it, but think about what it entails to have compassion for others. We notice that they are suffering. 
we are impacted or moved by their suffering and our heart responds to their pain, that, that, that reaction um, leads to feelings of care and wanting to help that person in some way. We offer understanding and kindness to people when they fail or make mistakes rather than judging them. And also tied up in compassion is the realisation that suffering, failure, imperfection, these things are all part of the shared human experience. So that's compassion. Self-compassion is simply flipping all of those elements of compassion for others and applying them to ourselves. So when you're going through a tough time, when you make, the mis- when you make a mistake or you fail in some capacity or you notice something about yourself that you don't like, Self-compassion helps you to be gentle with yourself. It allows you to say something like, okay, this is a really difficult time right now. How can I care for myself in this moment? That's what self-compassion looks like. There's no merciless judgment or criticism. It, It means that you're kind and that you're understanding when you notice your personal failings. You learn, instead of judgment and criticism, you learn how to... Um, both honour and accept your, your innate humanness. You recognise that things won't always go the way that you want them to. You recognise that there will be awkwardness and bumps in the road and limitations and failures. And you still accept and acknowledge yourself as a full human being valid in those failures, in those bumps, in that awkwardness. Um, it's, you know, the, the reality is that we all share those moments and compassion is acknowledging that in others. Self-compassion is, is acknowledging it in ourselves. And self-compassion also includes ways, or it may also include ways that you try to change yourself. So things like self-care, self-improvement. But the difference being that the desire to care for yourself, to improve yourself, is not because you think that you're worthless or broken or unacceptable as you are, but because you love yourself you would like yourself to become more healthy and more happy. And I think that's a really important distinction to make, that self-compassion allows us to improve ourselves and to care for ourselves, but it's not based on there being something wrong with us in the first place. It's from a desire to, fe- to want to feel more supported and feel happier and feel healthier. So to put it succinctly, uh, psychologists define self-compassion as being comprised of, of three elements – There's self-kindness as opposed to self-judgment. There is common humanity as opposed to isolation. And there is mindfulness or observation as opposed to over-identification. So over-identifying with our own problems, over-identifying with our own um, failings. It's simply non-judgmental observation uh, is the third part of of self-compassion. So you're here to make changes in your life, you're here on this retreat to make changes, to slow down, to get more aligned with your values. Um, and I, I, I would hazard a guess that many of you are also here because the pace of life as it currently stands for you is too much in some capacity. Perhaps it's too fast, too busy, too full, um, too taxing, too overwhelming. Now, I believe that everybody on this retreat is a caregiver in some capacity. Now, perhaps you're a a parent or a carer, Uh, you're a partner or a friend through your work or your community, you will spend time and energy caring for others. 
And I think the underlying sort of message here is that even the caregiver needs care. So if caring in any capacity is a role that you hold dear, then self-compassion is not an, it's not a nice to have. It's an absolute essential because we can choose to make changes um, and, and turn up in care of others either out of fear and shame or we can harness the power of self-compassion and begin to make those changes out of love. Now, I believe that love is a much more powerful motivator than shame. We just need to learn how to turn that love around and direct it at ourselves. So the Dalai Lama, very wise guy, has said, if you want others to be happy, practice compassion. If you want to be happy, practice compassion. So on to this week's exercise, which is actually based on a practice developed by Dr. Kristen Neff, who has written books about self-compassion and has developed some really beautiful tools that um, help you to harness self-compassion as a way not only to heal, but also as a way to make positive changes in your life. Uh, but this exercise that we're going to, to do together this week is based on writing a letter. So in the first part, I want you to focus on what imperfections, perceived imperfections in yourself, make you feel inadequate. So everybody has something about themselves that they don't like. It's something that causes them to feel shame or to feel insecure or not good enough. I mean, that is part of the human condition to be imperfect. And feelings of failure and feelings of inadequacy are part of that experience of being human. But try this week writing about an issue that you have that tends to make you feel inadequate or bad about yourself. It could be physical appearance. It could be um, related to a work issue or a relationship issue. Whatever it is that, um, you know, that, that you focus on immediately. Uh, and I want you to think about that particular issue this week. And ask yourself what emotions come up for you when you think about this aspect of yourself. Try to just feel your emotions exactly as they are. No more, no less. So no stories, no judgments attached to it. And then write about them. And then the second part of this week's exercise is to write a letter to yourself from the perspective of an unconditionally loving imaginary friend. So I want you to picture an imaginary friend who is unconditional in their love and in their acceptance and in their, their kindness and compassion towards you. And I want you to imagine that this friend can see all of your strengths and all of your weaknesses, including this particular aspect that you've just been writing about. So I want you to reflect on what this friend feels towards you and how you are loved and accepted exactly as you are with all your very human imperfections. This friend recognizes the limits of human nature. This is a very wise friend. This friend recognizes the limits of human nature and is kind and forgiving towards you. And they have great wisdom and understand that your, they understand your life history, first of all, and that there have been millions of things that have happened in your life to create you as you are right now. This friend knows all of that. They see all of that. Your particular inadequacy, the thing that you have highlighted in the first part, is connected to so many things that you didn't necessarily choose, your genes, your, your family history, your life circumstances, things that are outside of your control. And this friend sees all of that. 
So now I want you, you've got that picture of this wise friend. Write a letter to yourself from this wise imaginary friend. Focusing on the perceived inadequacy, the, the thing that you highlighted in part one. The thing that you're judging yourself for. What would this friend say to you about your flaw from the perspective of unlimited compassion? How would this friend um, convey the deep compassion they feel for you, especially for the pain that you feel when you're judging yourself? You know, that pain, that almost physical pain that, that we experience. What would this friend write in order to remind you that you are human and that that's okay and that all people have both strengths and weaknesses? Uh, and if you think that this is a friend who would suggest possible changes that you might want to make, how would these, uh, how would this friend write those suggestions and how would, would these, that the suggestions that they make embody feelings of um, unconditional understanding and compassion? So as you write to yourself from the perspective of this imaginary friend, try to infuse your letter with a sense of, of their acceptance, this, this friend's acceptance their kindness, caring, and their desire for your health and happiness. So that's part two. Part three of the exercise, it possibly won't be quite as taxing as that, but after writing the letter, I want you to put it down for a little while. And then I want you to come back and read it again. Really letting those words sink in. Really feeling that compassion as it pours into you, as it soothes you and comforts you. There is love there, there is connection there, there is acceptance there. And they are things that you deserve. You deserve love, you deserve connection, you deserve acceptance. And to claim them, all you need to do is look within yourself because those words that you have written came from you. So that's your exercise for this week. And I'll be very, very interested to see how it feels for you and what your response is to it. It's been shown, actually, that, that um, through various studies that writing a self-compassionate letter can impact your mental health, including anxiety and depression, uh, for up to six months. So if you feel um, elevated or different in any, in any way after writing this letter, you're not imagining it. I mean, this, this, this area of study of self-compassion is just full of, um, you know, full of research showing and evidence showing that by turning this idea of compassion and love towards ourselves, we reap very real physical and mental health benefits. So, um, you know, enjoy the process of writing this letter and also enjoy particularly that step three as you allow that compassion to fill you up. So this week for your observation to round out our lesson together, we're going to use another one of Dr. Kristen Neff's exercises and this is called the self-compassion break. And it brings into play all three elements of self-compassion. Mindfulness, common humanity, and self-kindness. And it can be done anytime. So every day, at any time that works for you, anytime you feel like you need it, just take yourself away for a few moments and do the following. So think of a situation from your day that is difficult, that's causing you stress in some way. And then call that situation to mind and see if you can actually feel the stress and the emotional discomfort in your body. And now, once you've called that to mind, say to yourself, this is a moment of suffering. And what you're doing in that moment is calling, uh, calling on mindfulness. 
as part of self-compassion. You are paying attention. You are observing that this is stressful. If, if saying this is a moment of suffering doesn't work for you, instead you could, you could say this hurts. This is stress. You could say ouch. <laughs> and once you've said that, once you've acknowledged that with a simple phrase, say to yourself, suffering is a part of life. And that's drawing to mind common humanity. So the second part of self-compassion. And again, if, if saying suffering is a part of life doesn't work for you, you could say other people feel this way or I'm not alone or we all struggle in our lives. And once you've said that to yourself, put your hands over your heart and simply feel the warmth of your hands, the gentle touch as your hands rest on your chest and say to yourself, may I be kind to myself. And what you're bringing to the practice there is self-kindness. Now, if, the, if that phrase doesn't work for you, you could ask yourself, what do I need to hear right now to express kindness to myself? Or is there a phrase that speaks to you in your particular situation? So something like, may I give myself the compassion that I need? Or may I learn to accept myself as I am? May I forgive myself? May I be strong? May I be patient? And simply meet yourself there, where you are, with kindness and compassion and acceptance. It's, it's powerful and it's hard. And I just want you to know that if you struggle through this prompt um, during the week, if you struggle through writing the letter, you're definitely not alone. It is really difficult to unlearn a lifetime of questioning our self-worth. And I am with you 100%. This is not something that you're going to find a light bulb moment, um, everything's rosy afterwards kind of realization. It is a gradual choice and shift in how you think of yourself, how you view yourself, how you view your worth. So um, I, I really hope that this is a, an exercise and a, a, a daily observation that, that is enlightening to you uh, in some way. Now, if you have questions, if you have um you know, if you're coming up against obstacles throughout the, the week, don't forget you can email me at hello at slowyourhome.com anytime. And I will answer your questions and, um, you know, talk through the issues that you're having during this week's call on Friday. Um, your weekly meditation with Kevin is available over on the website now. And we've also got another beautiful class of uh, yoga with Lauren during the week where we're going to continue through both of those actually diving deep into self-compassion and acceptance. I hope you have a beautiful week. Thank you again for turning up for this week's retreat class and um, I'm looking forward to seeing you on Friday.